Buzzer Podcast, all music. Worldwide music started in local music scenes. Underground independent unsigned talent. Music you choose to hear, not the music mainstream tells you to hear. Hosted by Shay. The Buzzer Podcast is a Canadian broadcast connected to artists around the globe. Hey y'all, I am Shay, and this is the Buzzer Podcast, on-air indie, from iPad to yours, over the airways. This week we have back-to-back episodes with Jason Parsons and co-host of That Album Podcast, Charlie Aiken, will be joining us. We will be spinning banger tracks from Vogue Villains and RH2, of which Charlie is the frontman for the band, and discuss Jason's book, Be a Voice, a musician's guide for the live performance. Incredible background, incredible book, and enjoy and soak up all the information because you're going to love the show. Have a good one. Cheers. Hi, today we have Jason Parsons today, and we're going to be speaking about his book uh, that is incredible information for independent artists called Be a Voice. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? Hi, Shay. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great. And what about you, Charlie? Charlie Aiken is hey, here as well. Jason. Oh, <laughs> man, I'm so excited to have you on this show, buddy. So right I am stoked and getting ready to tell the wonderful musical world what's going to happen and advancing their careers in music. Right on. <laughs> that's a good That's a good segue into the show, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. No pressure, Charlie. <laughs> okay, so the book is all about helping bands increase their uh, live performance. Uh, what motivated you to write the book? Well, um, oh, so me. the book. Tell them it was me. Yeah, Charlie, actually. It was all Charlie. Um, <laughs> well, you know, uh, Shay, I, I'm a former musician. I used to sing in a rock band in the 90s. So um, anyway, I, I, you know, when COVID hit, um, when it really hit Canada, and what was that, like March of 2020 or something like that was when we really felt it here. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the artists that I was working with, um, they were kind of going into shutdown too, because, you know, obviously they weren't able to perform anywhere. And so I remember right. just giving them the advice, guys, you can't stop now. Like the, the, just cause you can't play doesn't mean you can't practice and rehearse and write and all those things. And then I realized that I should probably take my own advice. And so I thought I'd take the time and write a book to help artists uh, avoid some of the mistakes that uh, are really common in, in this industry. Okay. And you go by uh, about why behind the mistakes and some of your um, content is pretty ballsy. I give you credit. Uh, <laughs> you talk about how humility is important is the way that some artists don't have that and it affects their uh, live show. Yeah, you know, the, the book actually kind of opens up with that. Um, it's a chapter called I Think Therefore I Am. And and it's it's kind of calling people out, but it's also at the same time encouraging um artists um you know uh, that you know being a being musician, although it is a very challenging uh career, um, I guess at the end of the day is what I what I'm trying to say in the chapters, there's really no room for arrogance in this in this industry. And uh, arrogance, yeah. 
can really stand in the way of opportunity and your success, especially when you get to the place where you're starting to deal with other people that work within and are interwoven into this industry, like promoters and agents and yeah. uh, venue operators and, and even uh, record uh, record industry people. Um, you know, arrogance is a, is a bit of a poison and it's a bit of a turnoff too. And so uh, how, be, having an arrogant attitude can really stand in your way from from uh, from from opportunity, and so humility, of course, um, the opposite of that is going to help you uh, in every way. Being being uh, humble in what you do doesn't mean that you're that you're you know less of a rock star. It just means that you're more of a human, and you have uh, a, you're more approachable and easier to work with, right? Uh huh. Yeah. And I think that's something that, that, you know, you either have or don't have and not that you can't work on it. Right. Because, you know, pride is one of those things that can catch all of us, but people want to work with people they like and love, you know, and that's what right. comes out. If you, if you create yeah. some of that humility and you, you offer that, right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. And reliability and being available is important. So it's all part of that, your image and the way you conduct yourself. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think there's real telltales, you know, when you work with, you know, and, and I think even at, even as an artist, there's other artists you work with at festivals on stages and so forth. And, you know, we, we even see it behind the scenes. And it definitely is noticeable if you're if you're that type of person and well, you're I've right jason to, you know it's, it's undesirable i've talked to you know stagehands even saying man i <laughs> you know that that so and so they're really good and they're very talented but i never want to work with them again because that guy was a real dick or whatever yeah and okay. so yeah that stuff does translate through whether you think so or not and by the way just because you're a great singer doesn't mean you have to be a dick you know what i mean like uh, yeah, be professional, be professional, treat people with dignity and respect. And, yeah. and, um, you know, the, the world is your oyster, right? And, and, you know, we're all yeah. on this journey together and let's, let's just treat each other uh, with respect and be professional. Okay. You're talking 100%. big picture though. Uh, give us some examples of where an artist, because let's be honest, if somebody's already in that headspace, they might not see it. So what are some things that an artist would do that would project that they don't have humility? Uh, things that they would do to show that they're, that they're like, you mean that they're, that they're actually arrogant. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think we've, we've all seen it. Like I gave the example of even just talking to a stage hand and I, I've, I've been at lots and lots of festivals where, you know, where the, where the crew are disgusted with some of the behavior and um you know personality traits of artists and that's really sad because you know these you know for, uh, from an audience perspective you know if an artist is up there you know if that's you know say i'm a fan uh -huh. i'm thinking wow this is great but in the background they're treating people uh really poorly that are not in the audience people that are there to serve them and help them in fact i remember years ago i was in nashville and i was sitting in a, a hotel uh, yeah. on Broadway, right across from the Grand Old Opry. We were having dinner and it was this band and with their with the representatives from the record company. And these guys had some really fast uh success and uh, to the point where they were they're being featured in a lot of Canadian uh not Canadian, sorry, but a lot of music magazines, centerfolds. And oh, wow. I saw these guys being dropped 
right at the dinner table, right in front of me by their record company because of their shitty attitude. And so, um, you know, I think there's something to be said about that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna throw a joke in real quick. It's my favorite Far Side cartoon, and <laughs> it's a band's on stage, and this is just gonna hit home because there's the sound guy, and he hits the suck button because he doesn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, if only had a button like that, hey? Yeah. Okay. I think some yeah, guys do I actually. <laughs> Yeah, so they they could have it like this band. Are they still around? Oh uh, no, no, uh, that was the last I ever heard of them. This was now. We got to remember this is uh, late nineties. It was yeah. a couple of brothers in a band, and like I said, they had some really quick success. In fact, um, I remember when I was flying there, I was reading this music magazine, and they were the centerfold of this mm-hmm. of this magazine. And uh, when I got there, I was awestruck because here they were and here was I uh, in the same room hanging out where, you know, a lot of performances that were happening. And then it was lunchtime and we decided to go for lunch with these guys. And they were just really arrogant. They were really kind of rude and uppity. And, you know, it it, it was kind of a put off for us. But, you know, I thought, whatever, like, it's not a big deal. I mean, these guys are famous, right? Yeah. Um, But then, you know, we sat down for dinner and it was pretty interesting to watch how their label just dropped them you know during you know between the salad and the entree kind of idea uh so uh, that that was certainly a lesson that i learned yeah. uh, very early on in my career is that we have to we have we can't walk around like that it doesn't matter how great you think you are not everybody else agrees with you yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And to also, this goes a bit further than your book, but uh, not only the artist, but anybody that is part of that artist team, whether it's the uh, public relations or manager or whatever, if they don't exude the same humility, it will affect the artist. It certainly yeah. will. It certainly will. Absolutely, without a doubt. And this is, and, and, and you know, we were, you know, uh, you know, in my book, I don't talk a lot about the business side of of um, of music, and I'm hoping that you know maybe in my next book I'll talk a little bit more about the business side. But um, this really is a business. If you're in a band and you're playing in front of people, and you have a, you have a, a you know a dream or a, or a goal to to be in a band and perform in front of people, you have to treat it like a business. It really is a business. And, um, you know, um, that, that comes, that comes with some responsibility, uh, when dealing with people, whether it be your audience, uh, your bandmates, uh, whoever it might be that you come in contact with, everything you say and do is going to be a reflection on you as an artist. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Charlie? I, I agree strongly, you know, like just in the sense of back to, you know, even what Jason was saying about being at the festivals with these guys that were complaining about, you get the opposite effect. And the thing is, you know, they will do things for you because they like you, you know, and, and, and that gets so much more mileage and it's such a better place to be because at the end of the day, we all want to be treated, you know, with dignity, with fairness and not dissed upon. And so just because you're really talented, that yeah that's a great talent but that doesn't make you or give you the right to suddenly now basically dump on your fellow brothers and sisters correct 
Yeah, I agree. Well, we're gonna we're gonna listen to a track uh, of one of the bands that you have to, uh, have worked with, Vogue Villains, and uh, we're gonna uh, talk a bit about the work you did with the band after. So we're gonna spin "Let the Wrong One In" by the Vogue Villains right now. What exactly did you do with the Vogue Villains? Vogue Villains, yeah. So I, I've been working with, uh, I worked with Vogue Villains before they were Vogue Villains. So um, we won't go into that. 
but I do have a, yeah. a, a bit of a history with the with the guys from Low Villains. These guys, uh, oh, as you could uh, hear from their trap, they're 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 a different band. Um, they they have a very unique sound. They're they're uh, they've got lots of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very creative, smart young men, and 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 their work ethic towards what they do in music is is really astounding. And so I've had, I, like I said, I've had the honor of working with these guys for some time now. Um, with these guys, it was really, um, you know, getting into the rehearsal space and introducing them to the concept of, um, of live performance. And so when we talk about live, we have to treat live very different than we treat recording a record or how we treat writing songs. Because when we're doing live, we now have a whole bunch of people involved in what we do, and they're called the audience. And so I really the main work that we've been doing so far um, has been talking about how do, how do we how do we put on a show that is more inclusive of the audience? How do we create moments for the audience? And uh-huh. like I said, this is a business, right? So uh, also teaching the concept that you know, over 95% of your revenue is going to come from your live show. And if you do, if you play your cards right, and if you plan accordingly, and you and you and you uh, put together a show that has the audience in mind, you know, at the end of that show, uh, if you do it right, when they leave, they're going to stop at your merch table because they're going to want to buy that song that made them feel a certain way. And so they'll buy an entire record just for that song so that they can, you know, because they, they never want to forget that moment that you created for them. Right. And so yeah, working with Vogue Villains has been really exciting because these guys get it. And they've been really, you know, even outside of our time together in the same rehearsal space, they're practicing this stuff all the time. And I got to be honest with you, these guys are getting better and better and better. They're killing it live. Yeah. And also, would it not? Uh, translate into uh, bigger venues, better gigs, so you don't well, have yeah. don't have to gig as much to make a decent uh, living. Absolutely, that, Without, I, that, that uh, and it also gives you confidence confidence that you know you know you're stepping out uh, because you know in in past before I started working with Jason, you know we'd hit it sometimes. I go, wow, it was a great night, you know, and we'd have the exact same thing. I thought in a different venue on a different night. And we bombed and I could never figure out why until I started working with Jason. So it gives you this confidence to know, okay, this is going to work. And here's why, because I can resonate with that audience now. Oh, very cool. Very well, cool. And, that, and that's, that's the thing too. And, and all too often when I'm, you know, when um, I hear, I hear it all the time. Well, we don't want to work with a guy like Jason because I don't know. They have this distorted vision of what I do. Like I'm a choreographer or something like that, which I am not. <laughs> um, and, and it's not like a scripted, a scripted okay. show. You know, it, it's not that either. It's really just rehearsing with the live show in mind. And, and let's be honest, um, yeah. you know, the absence, the absence of a really effective rehearsal um, doesn't make for a spontaneous show. And everybody wants to be spontaneous, but they, they figure if they rehearse a show that they're, that they're throwing spontaneity out the window. And that's not true. It couldn't be further from the truth. Spontaneity comes 100%. out of form. Spontaneity comes 100%. out of form. And so yeah, when we rehearse the form and we get in front of people, when things go sideways, like I break a guitar string or I trip over a stool or, or my pedal's not working, 
I can deal with the little problem because everything else has been everything else has been rehearsed. And so I can I can react to that easier than just wanting to be spontaneous, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I think it creates actually a better spontaneity when you know it's kind of like a map. I want to head to California, but I might stop at the Oregon coast and, you know, check out the walruses or whatever they are down there. So it allows you that. <laughs> I think they're dolphins, Charlie. <laughs> is it dolphins? I can't remember what's there on that West Coast. <laughs> whatever they are, I want to stop and see them. Right. Or you might want to is what I mean. Like, but the, the map is I'm making it to California and then there's probably some sides steps i'm going to take but it's all spontaneity because i know where i'm going i'm going to california so this is just stuff that's happening on the way that's right that's right okay so we talked a bit about rehearsing so we're going to go back to my we're going to go to that question and then go back to what i i, I wanted to talk about next uh what is jamming versus rehearsing okay so that that was definitely a chapter i had to put in this book um because i think um all too often people, you know, artists are using those two terms interchangeably. They're completely different things. Jamming and rehearsing are completely different. Jamming is getting into a room with your buddies or your bandmates and jamming. It, there's no, there's no real purpose in mind other than to, you know, you know, it, it's, it's really a creative space. Um, new yeah. songs are born out of jamming. Uh, uh, cool licks come out of jamming. Um, you know, or, or maybe, oh, we've been playing this song this way forever. Let's, let's jam it. And oh, all of a sudden we, we, we discover something really cool and unique that becomes, uh, even better than what we were doing previously. All that stuff can come out of jamming and, mm -hmm. and it, and it really is an important part of what we do as artists. Jamming is really important. That's, and, and yeah. by the way, we get better as musicians when we jam because we're learning from our bandmates and you know our our skill as a guitar player or a singer or a drummer like we're honing our skills rehearsing on the other hand is taking what we know we want to present in front of an audience but rehearsing it so that we're prepared for the live performance and so when we get into a rehearsal we're not jamming anymore we're we're we've already done all the preparatory work now yeah. we're now we're putting it all together how does this how is this uh little how's this tune going to bleed into the next song? How are we going to work on that transition so that we don't lose our audience or, you know, Hey, can we do this? And it's like putting all the, the, it's like a puzzle almost. You're putting it all together to make the big picture for the audience, by the way, remember okay. it's about the audience. And so rehearsal, uh, rehearsal is the last thing that we do before we take it in front of people. Do you rehearse the rehearsal? No, <laughs> like no, live, we, like you take it live. No, like to, to get audience feedback. Uh, well, no, because I mean, when you're like, you, you, audiences don't want to see you rehearse. <laughs> Let's be honest with you. Listen, if I wanted to hear great music, I could sit at home all day long and stream great music all day long. When I get what if I'm going to go and spend money to go and see a band live, they better <laughs> bring it. I don't want to see a rehearsal. I don't want to see a jam session. I want to see a show. Yeah, I agree with you. I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I don't want yeah to sorry, bring it up. sorry, I got a little I, it's okay. <laughs> Boy, holy crow, you know, that was, because what did you it, it, because on there, gasoline? I've been to a ton of rock concerts, a, a ton <laughs> of concerts of every music, and 
Um, I can tell you if it's a good live performance, I'm a fan for life. But I have been to some performances that it appears like it's a rehearsal. Right. And that's, again, one of those common mistakes that and this is why I wrote the book. Let this is this this book is to uh, hopefully is going to help you avoid some of those mistakes as an artist. Nobody wants to see you rehearse, right? They want to see a show. So yeah. we do all the work behind the scenes. We get up on the stage. Now there's no more thinking allowed. The only thinking you ought to be doing as an artist is how can I reach my audience? How can I reach my audience? How can I reach my audience? Yeah, I agree. We're going to be coming up to listen uh, to. One of Charlie's fans tracks, uh, to Ain't Dead Yet. Incredible tune. A new one. Um, so I want uh, you and Charlie to tell me, how did you work with Charlie and RH2 in evaluating their value? Evaluating their value? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead cha- and say- One of the chapters in the books is how an artist yeah. and band evaluates their, ba- their value. I'm trying to get yep. the listeners to see it uh, work in action. <laughs> right. So with, yeah. with RH2, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this, Charlie, don't hit me. But um, when I first met Charlie and, and, and got to hear some of the RH2 stuff, um, immediately the first thing that struck me was these guys are not your typical rock band that, you know, like when I'm talking about, like for me, typical, I mean, I'm working uh, with, you know, with a whole range of different genres, but with, with the thing that struck me about RH2 is that these guys are really the classic rock Canadian rock band. Oh, 100%. Um, and so that's what really attracted me to, um, to their music. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I could tell you right now, working with these guys is it, it it really doesn't feel like work to me because I'm enjoying the music so much. It it really is just that Canadian classic feel. And even the message of the band is that Canadian classic feel. And so it it, it bleeds through everything that they do, but certainly with their music as well. I don't think Plus he's all hit the you. Beers I think, we have I, afterwards. <laughs> I, I think Charlie's sitting there blushing. I don't think he'd hit you. What do you think on well, that? Yes, I what do you I, think on that, yeah, Charlie? Yeah, no, you know, I, I have to agree, you know, uh, that when uh, he came along and, and we, I, I would not say we were prideful or arrogant, but I did think, oh, wow, we got a great band. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I never, ever, you know, hope i ever came across as ever being arrogant or or prideful but you know only a couple Jason points something only a couple of, damn it and like we're talking rubber hits the road kind of stuff you know yeah. uh like you know we just took in the middle of a song i'm just going to use one song right now uh as an example and it happens to be light the fire that's on the cd and in the middle of it for live performance now, this is the difference between what he was talking about from uh, recording to live performance. Yeah. And so he came up with this idea in the middle of this song, you know, we have what I'm going to call a jam session in the song. We start going into this kind of bluesy jazz feel completely off what the song it was tracking. And we just let the, the basically the stage come alive. 
And then it comes down and uh, we nickname it now, you know, um, Pastor Charlie coming out. And I give this whole thing on lighting your passion, your dreams and your reason for, you know, what makes you want to chase something in your life. And you got to light that fire. And we saw that song uh, not only go on on social media like crazy but even when we were performing like this back to the guys behind the stage even coming up and over and talking to us saying hey you know i've wanted to become a photographer now i'm going to go become a photographer and we saw this massive transformation rubber hitting the road you know from a song that was a probably a good song i'm guessing to suddenly impacting the audience and touching the audience and that's what jason showed us how to do that's very cool i love that <laughs> I'm sorry you missed the concert. <laughs> but that's but that's but that's what we talk that's what I'm talking about, Shay, now when I'm talking about creating moments, right? Yeah. That's just that's just one example of a moment. So so basically, um, from where I get with that, you're you have tremendous value working direct with the bands. Like we're yeah. not we're not here just talking about your book. We're talking about you and the uh what you can do for bands. So, yeah, I, well, I did. I did the book because I wasn't working. Right. Neither were the musicians. And I thought, well, <laughs> I can hear you that, know, yeah. at least I mean, if they can't hire me, then buy the buy the frickin book, like buy the frickin yeah. book and, oh, and maybe cool. maybe it'll help you. That's, that's amazing. 10 bucks. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to listen to Ain't Dead Yet and talk a bit about the campfire test when we get back.
So bugger off, Jack. So bugger off, Jack. Yeah, bugger off, Jack. So bugger off, Jack. So bugger off. Honestly, Charlie, I love that song. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's our newest, good. and it's 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 time appropriate because, of course, uh, right now, I mean, the song really comes from us older gentlemen, which we still think we're super young, uh, rocking the stage, living our dreams, and we, you know, we're not dead yet. So almost kind of like that uh, <laughs> that country song where you know I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good as I'm ever going to be. And it comes think- on. That. In fact, that's. That's the song we're going to work on Jason next with, to be honest with you, because it's, it's like yeah, I said. Yeah, I agree. But Charlie, I said this to you before. When Mick Jagger, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, and, um, oh my God, Aerosmith can keep doing tours and bringing out yeah. music, you're a neophyte. Right. You're in nursery school oh. still. Correct, we are. Thank you. I agree. I agree. I think it was Cher that said, somebody went up to Cher years ago and said she was too old to rock. And her comment, and it sounded like Cher, she says, well, why don't you talk, uh, bring that up with Mick? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. uh, Rock has no age. Rock has no age. So tell us a bit bit about the campfire test, uh, Jason. Uh, Campfire Test was um, was a, a chapter that actually kind of made its way into the book near the near the end of me actually writing it. And the reason why I wrote it is because I remember years ago working with this young um, female solo artist who, you know, her manager sent me, you know, all her music, her videos, her press kit all that stuff and everything was really shiny like it looked really good okay um, and she had a great image really really um popular songs I w- i'm not going to say who the artist was but popular songs was doing really well and so her management hired me to and to work with her on the live piece so we spent a few days uh working on the live piece and and the, the on the four I think it was like the fourth or fifth day of of rehearsals I said okay so tomorrow what we're gonna do is we're gonna just bring our acoustic guitars and we're gonna run through some of the vocal pieces of your songs and so she said okay so the next day we meet in the rehearsal space the big rehearsal space and so here's her and I on this massive stage with a couple of acoustic guitars and I said hey play me that song you know whatever song it was play me that song yeah. and she goes well I can't and I said, what do you mean you can't? She goes, I don't know how to play it. And I thought, well, how, how do you not know how to play your song? And, and so she explained that, you know, this was a song that, that, was, uh, that she had not written, but it was written for her. And, um, and she just couldn't play it. So um, I, I, I found that troublesome because later in that day, um, you know, she had big dreams to be a successful pop star, a pop yeah. artist. And she said, Jay, do you think, do you think I'm going to, do you think I got what it takes? 
to make it. And although I do believe that she did, I thought the one thing that was really standing in her way is that she wasn't a versatile artist in that she couldn't even play a simple song on an acoustic guitar, that she was reliant on other people to carry her creativity, to, to carry um, her music, really, at the end of the day. And so the campfire test is, um, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to say it, but it, 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 is, a, it, it is an industry term. Yeah. The campfire test is basically, um, you know, does, can this song uh, stand up on its own? You know, if you peel back all the layers of production, for example, that we do in the studio, all the backing tracks and the harmonies and the, and the synth and the, you know, like there's no, you know, take away all that stuff, all that production stuff. Can you sit, can you pull up a stump? in front of this campfire with your acoustic guitar and play me that song. That's the campfire test. And additionally to that, not only are you able to play the song, but can you play the song and, and d will it still have the same kind of impact without all the production? And so that's the campfire yeah. test. And I, so I'm going to add to that, Jason, that, you know, in our case, uh, Shay, what he did was we were, were having some struggles with harmonies on a song. And okay. after we had finished back to having some craft beer together, we sat on the back deck. We actually did light the fire and we sat around with one acoustic guitar and we just started singing that song and getting the harmonies. And it, it changed how we were able to uh, take that song on from a harmony approach. And that was a magical moment, I think, too, Charlie. I remember what you're talking about. And I remember, like, because, you know, when we're in rehearsals, like, everything's plugged in. I mean, we're rocking out. There's there's a lot right. of noise going on. And, you know, yeah. it was nearing the end of the rehearsal. And I wanted to carve out just the last hour and say, okay, guys, bring an acoustic guitar. Let's go sit by the fire, have a beer, and let's chit-chat. Uh, so the intent was to go chit-chat, or so they thought. But I made them go through this song, doing the harmonies for about an hour. And uh, it was amazing how the song evolved into something that was way bigger than it started with. That's amazing. It was a great campfire. <laughs> <laughs> there, that was an actual campfire test. That was an actual campfire story. <laughs> <laughs> and the book, that's just, just an incredible story. I love it. Uh, and the book rounds out with uh, about... Uh, planning being important and becoming a voice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, uh, that is the namesake of, of the book, of course, uh, be a voice uh -huh. uh, subtitle of the book, of course, be a voice, um, a musician's guide for the live performance, but be a voice has always been uh, probably for me personally, the most uh, important message or a lesson that I talk about. And I'll tell you why. Uh, I remember years ago, near the end of my singing career, um, and we were doing really well. We were we were playing some pretty big venues. Yeah. And, um, you know, sharing the stage with some pretty big artists as well. And um, I don't even remember who said it to me. I think it was part of our crew or one of the guys you know, like one of the guys doing lines and stuff in the back. And we had yeah. finished the show and we had gone back. We were on our way back to our um, our dressing room. 
And this guy stops me and he says, you know what your problem is? And I was like, uh, and I thought it was a joke. Uh, and I, and I didn't even know who the guy was, but he said, you know what your problem is? And I said, what's that? And he goes, you're so busy copying everybody else that you have no idea who you are. And I was like, what, where did this come from? And, um, I got talking with this gentleman and he said, and he, and he was right because, you know, especially with musicians, with artists, we are influenced by all the music that is around us with, um, you know, all the, everything that's, you know, top 40 at the time or stuff that we grew up listening to, or, or even, you know, um, just, just, we're just influenced by everybody. And so I remember like for myself, and I'm just going to say it, uh, admittedly, I would watch bands play and I would pay particular attention, say to the lead singer, because I was a lead singer yeah. and they would say like these really cool things from the stage. And I, and I'd write it down. I'd be like, Oh, I like what he said there. I think I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Or I like what this guy said. I think I'll say that. And I was literally just a sponge and I was a carbon copy of everybody that I had ever seen before me. And this guy called me out on it and he said, your problem is that you're so busy copying everybody else that you've never really discovered who you are. And so that's where the, that's where this whole idea of be a voice is. And, 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 and that's why I rounded out the book. Uh, You know, that's why I finished the book with that chapter. That's why I called the book be a voice is that I don't think there's, there's anything more vitally important than you got to be you. You've got to have something to say and you got to stop, you got to stop, stop being everybody else, be you, say something. And so it's really a chapter of encouragement. Well, yeah, that's, it was a that's great so way. important, Jason, because, you know, at the end of the days, a lot of times, you know, you, you let's be honest, we can be our own worst critics too, right? Back to that story you just gave and to, to let the you, the creative you come out, you have to feel free. You have to feel, you know, able to do so. And that's part of, I think, you know, this connection with the audience you're talking about. Once you do that, it does actually even open that up more because yeah. otherwise you are, you're just, you're just rehearsing now to, to copy what you know or think works because you have seen it and other people have done it, but you're right. You're not doing it really. You're not. Well, there's nothing in in my opinion, like let's say I did say something from the stage that I took from somebody else. And let's yeah. hypothetically say that it works really well. Um, that's great. But there's something to be said for, for just being who you are and saying what is on your own heart. And right. seeing and feeling the reaction from the audience. I remember a story they were interviewing you too, a long time ago, a long, long time ago. And yeah. Bono wasn't there. They were interviewing, I think it was the drummer or something. They were do- doing this interview about the early days of U2. And they said, uh, you know, tell us about your success and tell us about, you know, tell us about Bono. Like, how, you know, how does he do? Because, you know, as if you've seen Bono lately, I mean, like, love him or hate him, it doesn't matter. The guy can control an audience. Right. And, uh-huh. and so they were asking about, you know, how the development of the band. And, and so um, the, the buddy from the band there, the drummer, I think it was, says, you know, when we first started, Bono would do all the wrong things at the wrong time. But he did it with authority and it worked. 
But as we had more experience, Bono would start doing all the right things, but at the wrong time. But he still did it with authority and it worked even better. And then he said, and today Bono does all the right things at the right time. And it is magic. And so being a voice, we really got to come into ourselves and we, (laughs) we, we ought to have something important to say, listen, we have a great responsibility as musicians. When you take it out of your basement or your rehearsals, uh, space onto a stage. Listen, it is not your right to be there. It is a privilege. And you yeah, need to take advantage right of that opportunity that you've been given. I yeah. agree. Amen. I agree. That's a great uh, ending to a, a great show. I really think you have a lot of value to offer artists, Jason. I really Thank do. You, Shay. Really Thank do. you, Shay. Yeah, I vouch for it. He does. <laughs> yeah, your 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 work with Jason still to this day, right, Charlie? Yes, we do. Yeah, and yeah. I I honestly can't say enough about what he has done to help us, you know, connect with our audience and just let us be more more creative and more free. That is one of the probably the biggest things that I can say here as we close this is that like as the the front guy for the band i have become more free more creative more energetic and and just taking feeling like i am doing the right thing at the right time so to awesome speak. that's awesome that's great well jason where's the best place to contact you would it be your website yeah you can go to j uh, long a really long web address but it's jasonparsonsproductions.com um, on there, you'll, there's a link for my Facebook, my Instagram. Um, I, there's a link to, yeah, there's a link to my publisher site where you can buy the book, but you can also go to Amazon or, uh, to buy the book. You can get it on iBooks or, you know, Google play. It, there's like 40,000 different retailers for the book. So you'll find it somewhere. If you just put Jason Parsons, be a voice or you'll find it somewhere, but my, my website's the best place to go. I'll make sure the web. Uh... I'll make sure that the links are on the profile for, at the podcast site, just so it's okay. easy for people that are listening in. And I would recommend y'all do it, especially if you're sitting at home. You might as well pick up the phone and call Jason. Hundred <laughs> percent. And now's Thank, the time because you yeah. know the world is going to open up again. Yeah, it always does. It always does. Yes, just it like will. an oyster, right? There's pearl yes, there. It will. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jason, and thank you, Charlie, my co-host. Yeah, and thanks, thanks for Jason, having me. buddy. Woo. Thank you guys yeah, for having awesome. me. All right, night. Night-night. Good night. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning into the show. Sponsored by The Buzzer Media. Thank you to the artists who share their music. Our shows wouldn't happen without their music. Subscribe at thebuzzerpod.com. Fans and artists can submit their request to Shay at thebuzzroll.com. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.